There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to The Kindness Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with Evie Jackson, the founder of Dough Bakehouse. It's a British donut bakery who've utilised the power of social media to grow their brand to over 50,000 followers. In this episode, Evie and I talk about her love for sport, her reflection on being seriously injured, losing her identity, and what being a teacher has actually taught her. I hope you enjoy this one. My name's Tim Bosworth. And this is the Kindness Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. My guest today has probably one of the most unusual career pivots. I've uh, probably had the opportunity of uh, finding out a bit more about when I was doing my research uh, with a background in physical education and coaching. Um, and now the director of Dough Bakehouse, a, uh, a large bakery. Started off with a small donut shop in Harrogate, um, but with now a large bakery and four shops across Yorkshire. Um, really utilise the power of social media um, and how that can impact on a brand. Um, I'm really looking forward to this one, particularly because the way in which the world is now in terms of how we look and how we feel. Um, I think we're going to get a lot out of this one. Um, it's been... And will be, I'm sure, an absolute pleasure. Evie Jackson, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I, now I, thank you to you, because I think when we first met, it was like, oh, hi, yes, it's be interesting coming on the podcast. And um, most of the people I've had on, I've really got a lot out of it. And I, I really hope you do too. And the essence of the show really is about kindness. It's um, really popular at the moment, seemingly, um, as was wellness. And then it was mental health. But I think kindness is seemingly becoming, obviously, there's a, there's a war going on at the moment. In, in Ukraine and Russia, but kindness really seems to be uh, a talking point at the moment. And I want to come on to that, if I may. But like I said in the intro, a real sort of career pivot yeah. from, you know, physical education, you know, really knowing about what's important to you, physical health, et cetera, to what one could argue could be sort of the, the complete opposite of that in terms of fast food and, and donuts, although really popular. Yeah. The question I want to ask, though, is um, how did 
you get into sort of physical education? What was the, the, sort of the key driver there? Um, so I've always taken part in sports, always been active. Um, and I suppose for me, it was the natural career path of, right, you're not going to be a professional sports person. Um, what can you do instead? And it, I went into the route of teaching PE. Um, it was interesting because whilst he, whilst being a PE teacher, I did go down the route of um, toying with professional sports, um, which was something that I was going to talk to you about in this podcast, because that was, um, I suppose... That is, I've had to reflect a lot on different things I've done. Um, and the sporting side of it links hugely to kindness um, and how you treat yourself and how you treat other people and how people teach you to do things through acts of kindness or through honesty or through open conversations. Mm-hmm. So I was going to talk a lot about that. Um, but in terms of how I got there, it was just through that natural route of still want to be involved in sports, still want to be active and therefore being a PE teacher. But where did this come from? So what do you mean? Where? In terms of the, the interest in sport, were you always good at sport? Did your parents play sport at a particular level? Yeah, so I've always played sports. I mean, um, I started off running, I played netball, I've played rugby, I've played every sport really I've had a good go at. And that's kind of my passion is being active. Uh-huh. Um, so I suppose that just led me to teaching PE. And were you a natural athlete as a young child? Do you remember looking back and thinking, I'm, I'm faster, better than my friends? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a really confident, yes, that's exactly what it was. But mm. yeah, I suppose um, I had a natural ability and I had determination and therefore um, put those three things together and pursued a sporting um, life. And I suppose, the weird thing about it is that I came into myself as an adult in my sports career, which is... I suppose, totally opposite to what people normally do. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't make it as such as a teenager. I actually, um, so I had a really big injury as a child. When I, when I say child, I was 15. Mm-hmm. So I had a, a severe injury that I, I dislocated and broke my ankle and my knee and had like three operations. And off the back of that, I had to stop playing completely. Um, and that put me on this huge back foot, which meant that I had to stop doing the sport that I was doing, which was running. Through um, losing that, I then um, had some time off and then got back into it um, more as an adult, which is when I started to do PE, teaching PE and then do my own sport. So I, had, I did have a really big gap of not doing anything mm-hmm. and then I found my passion again. So I suppose then I did a complete 360 and stopped that and then went on to do donuts. I've, I've took lots of different turns in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's interesting as well is because, and we touched on this be, um, before we went live, the idea of um, when podcasts talk to their guests and say, well, how do you feel? And, and how do you feel? Yeah. It's, it's interesting, I think, because when you internalise the feeling, you're feeling that feeling. But it's only with retrospect that you go, oh, I felt sad or I felt unhappy. And yeah. you, you touched on this this period of time where you were very active, very sporty, and then you had the injury. Mm. That must have made you feel unhappy or unfulfilled in a way, I imagine. I think it's about your identity, isn't it? And you lose a huge part of your identity the moment something like that happens to you. Um, I think identity is a big thing in your life because it's like, where do you feel you fit? So as a business person, where do you fit Um in your business? Do you want to act in a certain way to identify as a certain person? Do you want to be the kind um, mentor who advises everyone and builds everyone below them? Or do you want to be a really honest, hard talking person? And that identity, whereas 
which is something that I think about now a lot. Whereas back then, my identity as a sports person was completely gone. Um, I um, so who had, were you then? Sorry to interrupt you. Then. So as a, as I suppose, as a fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old who did sports five times a week, who was on the pathway for different sports, and then suddenly told that this isn't going to happen anymore. You know, you've got to go through all these operations. Um, you aren't going to be able to be at this level that you previously were. Um, I suppose you completely lose sight of who you are because that's all you've done. Like I didn't go out when I was younger. I didn't go in when everyone's like, I used to sit on the streets and drink and do all this. I, di- I didn't. I was waking up early morning. Um, I was going to swimming at 6am. I was um, running on an evening. I was running on a Sunday morning at 7am. I was doing all these things with these adults that um, within adult sports clubs and then lost that through an injury. Um which changes the perspective of who you are. Mm-hmm. It really makes you think like, well, who am I and what am I going to do and where am I going to go? Um, and then I actually decided, right, I'm going to stop playing sports completely. I'm going to do something that I think I'm quite good at, which was English. So I exceeded English at school. It came naturally to me. I found it easy. So therefore I went to university and did English, but there was like something niggling in me that was like, this is kind of not who you are. This isn't what you do. So I left university my first year and was like I'm going to do PE I need to go back I need to start again um I need to rebuild this person um and so that's what I did so I went back started to teach PE and put my own passion into my teaching and you know my own experiences into students and went that way and then eventually um I mean a really strange turn of events but met my partner who's a physio and he kind of helped me with all my injuries and put me back on my feet and I was able to start again and play sports again later in life it's interesting and again i touched on on the art from physical education to now running a sort of a a business that's one could argue is very much sort of fast food sugar Mm -hmm. that's not good for you but you touched on the english piece there so what was it about english was english language english literature yeah both actually what was it about sort of uh, english that you liked or do like i like words i like speaking to people i love knowing how someone's feeling like i love a poem i love the fact that someone can really put into words how they're feeling um like i love music you know i find it when i talk to someone about a song and that person says oh yeah i like that song and i'm like how, do you know what that person's saying in that song do you understand how they feel and a lot of people are like no and i think god like the whole point of music is to express yourself in a certain way and i find that really interesting the same with a book the same you know um being able to understand someone's thoughts and feelings and how someone expresses themselves is an interest of mine mm. what's one of your favorite books then Books. Oh God, that is a really. Have you ever read *The Virgin Suicides*? I've heard of it. I'm not too familiar with it. If you could perhaps say. Uh, I mean, it it's just about growing up, and I think you'd have to read it. I think it's going to be a hard one for me to quite explain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read it quite a few times when I was younger because it's about the whole. I mean, it's, I don't even know how I'm going to go into beginning to explain this. It's like the whole perspective of life and different things that happen and why they happen and, yeah. It's, so it's a growing pains piece? It's about sort of the journey of... Yeah, it is. It's about life. Okay. It is about, it's about life and it's got some really hard-hitting parts in it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I used to read it and really reflect upon it and think about it a lot. But that, that's what I, I like, um, I suppose is understanding the depth of a person and mm. 
that my interests are really in people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you probably feel the same having a coffee shop. You get to meet people and you get to speak to them. And under, it's not just having a shop where someone walks in, buys coffee and walks out. It's like, actually, that person is from this background and this is what they do and this is who they are. And it's about knowing everything about a person and learning mm-hmm. different things. It's not just like that core of buying a coffee and walking out. There's much more to it. And I think mm. that's the same with everything in life. Yeah, very much so. And I think books can transport you to places where you perhaps want to be to escape where you currently are uh, as is with music I'm assuming as well um one thing that's sort of, that piqued my interest as well um in terms of the the English because I think English you're so right about words being able to sort of, uh, take you places how within the lyrics of a song or the words on a page can just just take you away so from English and the understanding of words that allowed you or made you think about teaching no, I suppose that was through a loss of identity, thinking, no, I'm not a sports person anymore, but what am I good at? What can I do? And where is my other passion? And my other passion through, obviously, enjoying it, but also being good at it. At that point in your life, you don't know what you're going to do. You just have to go with something that you, you're relatively good at. So I went down that route, but I couldn't relate at all at university. I couldn't process the fact that we were told, this is the literature and this is what you should write about it because I believe that everyone interprets everything differently. So I found it really hard to connect to when they'd say to me, no, actually that's wrong because that's not what that person's saying. And I'd be thinking, well, actually that's what I think they're saying. That's how I've perceived it. I found it really difficult that there was um, an answer in literature, which I don't believe there should be. And is there, excuse my ignorance then, are you saying that the way in which it was taught, that there is an answer to what you're reading? Yeah. And, and your opinion is invalid? It wasn't invalid, but it might not have been correct in terms of a certain perspective of how they wanted to look at it. So they may, they'd go in and say, oh, this means this. And, you know, you should write that this is what the viewpoint means and this is how they feel. And, and I would kind of think, God, that's so strange because, you know, you could just change the angle at this and find a completely different approach. Yeah. So I found it really hard to connect with that. But that was probably because I was at a point in my life where that really wasn't exactly who I was. But I was trying to find who I was. So therefore, sure. I did a, I, at that point, I was like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I need to go back to something that I'm passionate about, which was playing sports, basically. Yeah. But then yeah. I had a great time because my course, I'm not sure if they do it as much anymore now, but for, when I did PE teaching, it was very much, right, you're going to do a term of netball, a term of basketball, a term of this. It was great. It was like being back at school, mm-hmm. which for me was great. I love school. Did you find being able to go back to sport, because you've, you've touched on identity a couple of times there, did you feel that you were reconnecting with yourself and who you yeah. actually was? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I had felt almost uncomfortable. Um, not uncomfortable, that's not the word. I just didn't feel like myself when I was in, in an English lecture, lecture. I didn't sit there and think, God, this is about exactly my passion and this is what I can do. Whereas when I play sports, I think... I like lose that thought process and I really relax and I manage to have more fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that side of me came out, um, which was great. Um, and I did that for four years and then went and got a job. So I went to university in York um, and then I, I'm actually from Blackburn, mm-hmm. which is Lancashire, mm-hmm. hence the accent. And I... Uh, got a job back in Blackburn, mm-hmm. which was just the biggest 360 that I could have ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a school where um, all the dinners were free. 
So the full, everyone got a free lunch, free breakfast, because the majority of children in that school didn't came from a family that couldn't afford a lunch or dinner. They came to that category. And because the majority couldn't afford it, they said, right, everyone in the school is going to get a, a free lunch. So there wasn't anyone who was having to turn up and pay. They just said, look, everyone's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was such, it was so different than anything I've ever experienced, but it was amazing. You know, and I think really moving to a school in Harrogate was such a culture shock from what I'd had before. Um, so you've gone from a, one could argue, a working class area yeah. to a middle class area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was so different. It, it couldn't have been further apart, you know. Um, we would have parents' evenings that the parents would say, oh, yeah, he's this and he's that and he's this, and they were really honest and really blunt. And then in Harrogate, the parents' evenings were, isn't my child great? <laughs> How good is my child? You know, the, the, it was so... It was so different and it's actually interesting because it when I was trying to think about this concept of kindness that's what I thought about um is that honesty um well the main thing that I thought I was trying to decide what different phrases I would relate to um in terms of kindness obviously a big key phrase at the minute is this like self-kindness and being kind to yourself and how can you um, live a life where you are kind to yourself and what are your needs and all that? And then the other thing that really came to me was that being cruel to be kind. Um, and I thought about that a lot. And the more I thought about it, the more I think that that phrase really shouldn't exist because we're told that being cruel to be kind, it, being honest to someone we're told is cruel. So like that concept of, you are not good at this because of X, Y, Z is being cruel to be kind. But it's the thought of that, is that cruel or is that honest? Um, is that a is that a situation where you're saying to someone, right, in order to develop, you need to do X, Y, Z um, and you need to, you know, I'm just going to take this P example. Someone comes in and they're like, I want to be a netballer and this is what I want to do when I'm older. And, you know, the approach, the nicey-nicey approach would be, that's really good. You can do it. You can put your brain to it. I, I think you can do this if you work hard. Whereas I suppose the cruel to be kind approach um, would be actually you're not fast enough. So you're going to have to go home, you know, either have to join an athletics club where you're going to have to work on your speed or you're not going to get there because you're not fast enough and therefore you're never going to be a professional netballer. And I suppose that approach is seen as like this cruel to be kind approach. But really, I think that we should just call that honesty and the thing that I look back on is my teaching at these schools where it was tough for children um back in Blackburn they had real honesty at home like their parents were like black and white with them they were saying to them like you you know you can't do this or you can do that or you're good at this and you're not good at that and they'd come in and they they were so black and white whereas in around here I think we had this approach of saying everyone can do everything they want to and we have this different view of niceness where we say, hey, that's possible. It's fine. You can do it. Like, keep putting your mind to it. But actually, I can't decide which one I think is better. And I've really thought about this. And I've thought, you know, did I do a disservice to some of my students by being so nice to them and by saying to them, I think you can do it. I think you can do it when really I should have took that approach that I'd kind of learned um, at this other school, which is the real honest, hard truth of, that's not going to happen unless you do this. Mm. Um, that's something I've, I've really reflected on these past few days from thinking about this topic. I think it's interesting. So do you think then that 
the way in which you responded to your students then was very much a case of, you can do this. Whereas what you're saying is, what you could have and should have said is, actually, there needs to be work that needs to be done in order to achieve this. Yeah. Okay. I th- what I'm trying to say is, I think around here, we all have this approach, which is such an... We have a positive attitude. In Harrogate, there's a real... I don't know if you feel it as well, but it's a positive spirit where... The students are told, and as adults, we're told, like, we can do it. We're from a really nice area. Look around you. Everything's possible. The world's your oyster. Um, And we do follow that approach. And, you know, sometimes for children, that doesn't happen. And they may believe that it's going to happen, and it doesn't. And it really affects them later in life. And they go, why did, how did I not get there when everything around me is there's big houses and there's amazing guys and there's this? And, And it's because we have... I'm talking as a generalisation here, but we are, it's a really positive area where they do say, the world's your oyster, you can you can be the best person in the world. Whereas I think when you've, when you've been in a school where times are tough and life is quite hard and they have this, no, that problem might not happen for you. That might not happen for you. Or actually to get there, you've got to do this. And if you don't do that, it still isn't going to happen for you. I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting balance of life and, mm a balance of what kindness is. It's definitely a challenge because as a parent, you want to encourage and ensure that your children can be the best that they can be whilst knowing the realities of life. Yeah. If your child isn't good enough, yes, praise them and encourage them, but be open and honest and true. Not to say, look, little Johnny, you're not going to make it. Because it comes at a time in their age when they can perhaps understand and process that level of honesty Mm. but certainly you know at an age my children are very young so three five and seven respectively so that age if I say if one of them said I want to be a professional footballer I think no you're not going to make it you're not fast enough not tall enough etc and guess what you're going to crush their dreams yeah that's it whereas if they were I don't know 16 and then it's I don't know if it's football academies etc and they're perhaps not good enough then maybe it's encouraging them to go down a route that perhaps could still utilize their interest in sport but perhaps on an education level or Mm. consulting level whatever it is but so it must have been hard for you being able to know what was true and honest in the background that you'd experienced the kind of school of hard knocks side versus coming to an area where it's very much everyone can do it yeah it it is it's a strange thing I mean I experienced it myself um I went I played for a sports team in Harrogate um for years and it was great and what sport was that um so I played for Harrogate rugby team okay um who were amazing incredible they had the very nicey nice approach in terms of you can do it. Look, if we've lost the game, it doesn't make you a bad person. It's a, It could be a bad day. You know, the week after, we can come back from this. We can do it again. And that was their approach. And, you know, okay, you've made this mistake, but that doesn't make you a bad player. Um, you can learn from that. You can move on from it. And then I left Harrogate and went to play for Leeds Rhinos. And I had the biggest culture shock of my whole life. I had coaches who would say well, you were the reason that we lost that game. You know, you you were not fast enough. You were not strong enough. Wow. Um, you have done that wrong. They would, at the end of every game, we would watch, um, we, they'd say to us, okay, we need to turn up to training an hour before because we're going to do a video review. They'd put it on the board and they would, someone previously would have edited it and they'd stop on the problems and they'd say, right, so what's Evie done there? And then they'd all put their hand up and say, well, Evie's done this. And he'd sit there and you'd think, oh my God. You know, like, oh, what's wrong with me? And I spent uh, so much time picking myself out of the gutter because I was like, 
God, like, I've made so many mistakes. I, I, I really hit myself with it. I'd go home and think, oh my God, I'm, I'm awful. And then I really had to think about it and reflect on it. And I was like, no, they're telling me this because it's true. You know, it's not cruel. This isn't them picking at me and telling me the worst. They're doing it because they want me to improve, you know. And within a team of players who are the best in the country, you know, 80% of the team play for England. These are girls who, I guess, are from a background where they've always had this. So they've always really understood that you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that right. It doesn't hurt them, it's the truth. Whereas I'd come from, oh, it's okay that you've done that wrong. Um, we can rebuild, we can go again. So I was like, oh, I felt like I was being stabbed at mm. every opportunity. Um, and I found it really hard. It took it, it really did take me a good year to come into myself there. I, it, I felt like a, a shell of myself, I suppose, because I just couldn't understand the criticism. I found it really difficult to deal with. But what it did is really make me reflect on my teaching. And I started to think what is life's approach like should the life approach be just telling the truth and you know we're told to give this I don't know if we can swear here we're told to give the shit sandwich which is everyone knows when they're getting a shit sandwich it's like we've all been told it. it's like someone says to you um oh my god you look great today by the way and um so nice to see you wearing this and da 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 but do you know what you did when you walked in it you actually did this which wasn't great and then you build them back up again and everyone knows they're getting it um and we've been told that's the way to deal with people but it kind of beats around the point doesn't it um and it, for some people it really doesn't hit with what they need to learn and it doesn't help them some people it may but not everyone but it was this approach of like have I done this to children in schools have I danced around the truth have I um tried to lift them when really I should have just been really honest with them um and I thought about this so much from being a rhinos and it did change my teaching massively mm. it changed my approach it changed how I spoke to people and did that change from going from a nicey nicey to a, a much more brutal and honest approach did you find that that pivoted in terms of how you taught as well I found it very difficult I found it really contrasting I mean something that you I mean you will experience is so obviously for a child to go to school in years, this is a, a huge 360 by the way that I'm about to say, but for a child to go to school in year seven, it's a huge thing. Their parents are like, wow, um, they've gone to year seven. This is big school. Um, you know, they're doing things for themselves. They're, they're growing up. Um, and the parent has a level of anxiety. The child has a level of anxiety. And when it comes to parents' evening, they'll come on their own and they kind of want, the parent wants to give you the bit of background about themselves as well. So as a PE teacher, you'll sit there and you can kind of guess in the room who is going to come and tell you that they played badminton for Yorkshire. You know, like I, I played badminton for Yorkshire and um, I'm really excited to hear about my child. And uh, you can see that they've got all this oozing with this excitement to hear that you're going to say, your child is going to be the next David Beckham. They want you to say it and they saw so they build you for it and they're like you know um I've been so happy for them to come here because at, at this school there's a wealth of opportunity and they've so you know they've got these sports fields and they've got this and it's great because when I was at school I did this 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 and this and it's using the the approach that I previously would have taken was yeah you know we've got all this your child's really good your child's got possibility you don't want to crush them in front of you but then after I kind of learned that that it's not crushing someone, it's the truth. You have to say to that parent, yeah, you were 
you were a rugby player that did this or you played badminton for whoever, you know, you're really successful. But at this point in your child's life, they're not. And it's, it's a really difficult conversation to have, but actually it's the kindest thing to do because it means that parent's not going to then go home and be like, you're amazing. You're the next GB athlete. You're the next this, which I imagine a lot of parents did do from my previous approach because I'd built them all up and I told them, yeah, you know, I can, I can feel your anxiety. I can feel your excitement. I can feel the pressure that you're putting on your child. And I'm going to kind of molly coddle to that and I'm going to say yes it's all rainbows and it's all butterflies and your child's great and it's this it's that but actually that is not I, I realized that was really not the right approach and I, I learned that for it through being at Rhinos and it needed to be yeah it's going to take a, a while to get there it's going to be it's going to be a different journey than I think the, that you've got in your head and, and that's hard think, to say to yeah someone. No, of course yeah and it's difficult saying the hard things to anybody how do you think that um impacted on the children themselves in terms of how they viewed you as a PE teacher well yeah they, it changes their view on you you have you have those that have come from you know some parenting that you would call I suppose you're calling it like tough parenting where they've had that at home where they've had that real honesty so that they, they appreciate it and they say to you like oh thank you you know that I am going to learn from that I am going to develop or you have those that go God, I hate you. I can't believe you said that to me. You've pushed me into the gutter. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's it's hard because really, on reflection, that's exactly what you should be doing. You, you as a teacher, should be giving them the real, the truth, and the path and how to get there. And you're not there now, but to do this, you will get there. But in this society, that is so difficult to do. Mm, without a doubt, and particularly from an education point of view, because I think there was a program, I think Educating Bradford, I think it was, or Educating Yorkshire. So there's a real um, interest in education generally. And I think there's also a real interest in how we frame teaching, because I think teaching and educating, I think, are combined. Being able to help, I think, in my opinion, it's about how you can help someone, mould someone, change someone. Whilst the pressures, I imagine, of being a modern day teacher now must be absolutely incredible. You know, from the paperwork that goes involved, I liken it to almost like being a bloody doorman sometimes, having to manage people, manage yeah. students, manage the boards, etc., um, of governors, etc., as opposed to just wanting to teach. Yeah. You know, every parent, I know as a parent, I want, that, oh, so-and-so, Mrs. Jones is so lovely, or Mr. So-and-so is so lovely, because you want your children to be taught by that teacher who cares and is willing and open and honest. Yeah, they must go through so many pressures, I'm assuming, you know. But I imagine, like, the thing that's interesting about what you said is, like, the, you know, for example, Mrs. Jones is really nice and she's this, but, you know, you have one day that your child might come home and they say to you, my teacher said I'm not fast enough and I'm really upset. And 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 you've kind of had this vision where you think, God, my child is fast. I think they are. Like, I, I think they're good, but actually the teacher's looked at this whole perspective and gone... They're not, you're not, you need, to, this is something you need to do. And you then as a parent go, God, that was so harsh. Why have they done that? But really, this is what they should be doing. You know, it should be that, it's like that perception is like, is honesty, is honesty cruel or is honesty kind? I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting thing to think about. And it's something that I have, honestly, this past whole week, just tried to make a decision on. I think that honesty is, I think it's kind, but I think society has told us it's cruel. Interesting. So what, is, what does kindness mean to you then? I think it's perceptive. I think that textbook kindness is sharing, um, you know, as children were taught, you should share, you should hold the door for someone, you should um, tell someone that you care about them, you should be nice to someone. But I think as you 
through life, as you develop, you realise that kindness is, comes in all different forms. Um, kindness can be an act. Kindness can be actually like really thinking about what's suitable for a certain person. Um, I don't think that, I, I mean, something that I think about is my grandparents when they died, were they, they were old. My nana was uh, 96 when she died. So she had a really different approach to life than the modern day person she was she was so polite um she would she, her manners were impeccable but yet her approach is in this modern day I would say you know she'd been taught that was kindness you you are polite you use your manners you do all those things because that was how she was brought up to be kind but actually in this modern day kindness is different kindness is like being open kindness is saying okay that's your opinion um, hmm, I've never thought about that before, but actually now, yeah, I'm going to start thinking about it. That's kind, is opening your mind to someone and listening to their perspective and saying, hey, you want to dress that way? Yeah, that's really cool. That's different. That's kindness. Whereas my nana, you know, someone, I might have said to my nana, hey, this is my friend. Um, this person previously um, used to identify as a male. They now identify as a female. My nana would be like, what? But Shmanana had been taught that she was the most kind that she could possibly be, but that's because kindness to them was different acts than it is now. I think now kindness is being open and understanding and accepting people, and I think it's it's changed over time. I think there's a hugely... The perspective of kindness is, is different. So how do you feel that... And, and this could be a nice, a nice segue into how you move from sort of teaching into being a, a business owner. Mm-hmm. Um I would say, gosh, that donuts probably make people very happy. I remember as a kid, it was, I don't know if this brand's still around, but it was um, a supermarket chain called Safeways. And they used to have a pack of four sugary jam donuts. And me and my pals used to go, <laughs> just laughing back at We used to go back and eat them literally at once. Yeah. Just devoured them. Try not to lick your lips, though. That's the challenge. Try, <laughs> not, to, try not to lick your lips. And... That was a moment of feeling happy and great. And I wonder, how do you go from teaching to running a bakery? Um, I suppose I had to really reflect on myself and decide what was making me happy. So as a teacher, I found uh, that I was um, very confined to behaving in the standards of the school, which were not necessarily the standards that I wanted to portray or how I wanted to teach. Um, I found that teaching was very much like being in a box, so as a student, you must be good at maths and English. And if you weren't, you would be removed from PE to go and do the maths and English, which was something that I could never get behind. Um, I think everybody in life is different. I think everyone um, has their own strengths. Everyone has their own weaknesses. But I think, unfortunately, teaching is still quite archaic. There's an element where, you know, you must be good at this and this. And if you're not good at that, then that's a problem. Rather than saying, hey, guess what? You're really good at drama and you are really, really, really good at PE, and that's great, and that's brilliant. They don't do that. Um, And it's something that I found really difficult to get behind. So I couldn't behave in the ways that they wanted me to, and I couldn't act about certain things. I didn't believe that the schools progressed how I think they should progress. Mm -hmm. So I had to get out. I had to do something different. Um, So... I was actually given an opportunity to have some time off. So I I, um, broke my hand and my wrist whilst teaching. 
not during teaching, <laughs> like no claim there, but I did break my hand and then had couldn't couldn't work. So during that time I stopped and I was like, God, I, I think it's that like reflective point of your life where you go, am I going to do this forever or am I not? Am I going to do something different? I need to do something different. So I kind of just looked at the market and looked around and thought, I don't feel that I fulfill my potential here. I don't feel that I can teach in ways that I want to teach. So something has to change. So I thought I need, I want to do something that's bright, something that's colourful, something that brings people in. I don't, like, I think Harrogate is very much like a mini London in the sense that people rush to work and, you know, they, they, they go out, they've got really nice house, really nice car, they leave it, they go, they come back late, they do the same thing again and again. And I wanted to find something that would bring them a little sense of happiness and something that's a bit different and something that was really bright and really colourful and really over the top and kind of what it's not about in Harrogate. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have a go. Um, a donut is something that you can put any flavour, any colour. You can do anything you want with it. Um, and I was like, do you reckon we can do it? My brother was a tattooist at the time. I was like, share you tattoo. Like, sure, you can make a donut. He was like, what do you want about? I was like, come on, let's just have a go. But why donuts? Because you can do anything you want with them. Um, it was something that wasn't in the area. People didn't have around here. And I thought we can make one day jam donut, one day it can be rhubarb and custard, one day it can be this. We can make it look however we want it to look. We can decorate it however we want to decorate it. Um, it was kind of like a real easy base, I thought, that we could just build on and be creative with. So we went with it and, you know, I was like, I'm going to have a go with this. I said to my brother, do you fancy it? He was like, yeah, all right. With Came no over. baking experience? No baking experience, no. Did so, you like donuts? Yeah, I'm impartial to a donut, yeah. I mean, I'm not like, I, d I just thought this, I need to do something. And that was my thought process. I need to do something. I need to do something that I can develop. I need to do something that I can um, expand upon that can be, you know, for my nana who walks in, she might want a sugar donut, but my friend might come in and they might want something that's like filled with pink cream and glitter and sparkles and whatever and mm. personalise it to different people. Um and I also am quite big on branding. I thought we can really go with this. Like, a, You go into a bakery and you're given a box. The excitement is inside the box. But for me, I thought, what if the excitement is the box? Like, We can make something with this box. So I went down the route of really heavily branding the boxes um, and giving the customer an experience in terms of like the shop being bright, the box being bright, and then the product inside being great as well. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about the product. It was about the whole picture of what we could do and um, the whole experience it wasn't just going oh my god we can't do donuts actually I couldn't do donuts but I also had never done branding before I'd never run a coffee shop before I'd never done any of those things but I just decided that I needed to do something and I needed to have a go and you know if it all went wrong I was a good teacher I could go back to teaching mm. I could the schools weren't going to suddenly say I don't think so you're not coming back you've had a go teaching they were gonna they I would like to think they'd say to me sure yeah, come back, you know, you've tried to find your feet somewhere else. You've done all this, you've got this experience. Yeah, come back. It might not be the same school. It yeah. might not be something that I necessarily wanted to do, but I could go back and do it if I had to, if everything went wrong. So that what's, what's piquing my interest is the idea that you've gone from an educational background and you've had enough and you think, well, maybe, maybe we can go into consulting or teaching yet yeah, to pivot into bakery. I think I was fed up. Uh -huh. I was, I was just, I was completely fed up of this, um, 
of being this person that I struggled to connect with and I thought I need to find myself. You know, I knew that my dad is a businessman. I knew that he could be himself. Um, obviously, I say that too, like it. Uh, had you seen this yourself when you were younger? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I, my dad, had he had his own businesses. Um, so he got to, in a, I suppose, in a way, live his own life. And that was something that I wanted to do. Um, I found it really hard living someone else's vision. Not, like, as a teacher, you have to behave how the school want you to behave. And I found that really hard. Um, and I thought I need, I just need to do something where I have control. And I felt that starting a business would give me control. And had your parents at any particular age when you were younger given you any words of advice about running their own business or you'd seen mum and dad or dad running his business? How, how did that sort of frame how you view being a, a business owner now? My dad is a really hardworking man. Um, and I think, I mean, my dad still helps me the whole way. I think a huge part of me setting up Doe was the fact that I had my dad there. Um, I had his advice. I bring him, honestly, this is not over-exaggeration, 10 times a day asking him different things. Um, my dad has worked, he has worked all over the world. He used to work in China. He um, worked, I mean, Singapore, everywhere. He, um, his work ethic, I think more than seeing how he worked, it was his work ethic that I looked at and thought, I can do that. Like I can, I can follow his behaviours. Um, I can live that life where, you know, do I want to go on holiday? Yes, I do. I'm going to go on holiday. I'm going to do these things. As a teacher, you cannot do that. Um, and I suppose I craved that freedom mm -hmm. that I saw that he had. I'm not saying that he had freedom in terms of he was able to go do all these different things. You know what it's like? You have a level of freedom, mm -hmm. but that level of freedom you don't have as a teacher. Um, you know, like I couldn't go to the post office as a teacher. That was just a tiny little thing. Little things what like do you that. Mean? Well, so say um, in the daytime, I'd say to you, hey, can you post this letter for me? You can't, there's ratios at school. So to the amount of students that are in the school's ratio of teachers because of safety and risk assessments and all of that, you as a teacher can't then just leave the school at some point during the day to go and do something because the ratios would be incomplete at the student's staff. So you need to stay there. So despite the fact that you may have, I don't know, three free periods one day, brilliant, I've only got half a day teaching, no, you've got to stay in there. You have to stay in that office just in case of a fire alarm or in case of an emergency. And that is so limiting. And you think, God, I could just walk to the post office around the corner and post this letter. But actually, no, I'm probably going to have to wait until Saturday because I've got after school clubs every single day, which are going to put me past this time. The post office is not going to be open until this point. There's these tiny little factors that eat away at you and you realise that you have no sense of freedom as a teacher. Um, and I think, Little things like that really pushed me in the end to realising I needed to change and I needed to do something different. It's clear the element of freedom. You're chasing that, that freedom piece there. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about, about Doe and, and the business and how you took Doe from the concept and the idea to growing it using social media. Um, so I think... I'm someone who I'm very much like, I'm just going to have a go at everything. I'll have a go. And if it goes wrong, it, I think that's probably from playing sports. You, you just, you throw yourself into things. I'm not someone that stands and thinks too much. If I stand and think too much, I can probably convince myself not to do something. So I say, right, let's have a go. I've, I feel that along the way, I've had a lot of opportunities put in front of me. And instead of, con you know, considering the opportunity, I've been like, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to do that. So for us, we started in Harrogate. We grew um 
we we grew pretty quickly. Um, it was something that people hadn't seen before. The concept was that it, you know, as I've said, it was really bright rainbows. It allowed people to take a photo. They had an experience. They came to the shop. They weren't necessarily coming for a donut. They might come because they wanted to have a photo next to the wall. Um, they wanted to take a picture of the box. You know, they wanted to tag themselves somewhere. Um, and this concept of like an experience people enjoyed. Um, we had people coming from all over and we very quickly outgrew the shop. Um, and we were, I was like, we need something bigger. Uh, we need to make, we need a bakery. We can't just be operated out of this tiny kitchen. So I looked at these potentials and this bakery came up in York and I thought, right, you know, York is kind of like my roots. I went to university there. I lived there. I, it's not far from Harrogate. Um, I'm going to go over and see what we can do there. And the bakery is like a 5,000 square foot building. So it was big. And I knew that to take this step, we had to really work for it and make it work. And if it didn't, then back to square one. And whilst this happened and we were kind of negotiating for the building, so we were negotiating against a big supermarket. So the estate agent said, look, it's, they're either going to choose you or they're going to choose the big supermarket. And let's just be honest, who do you think they're going to choose? I was like, well, yeah, you know, the, the supermarket's going to be there forever. Um, this, I couldn't understand. It was hard for me to see that if we had any competition, I thought there's no competition here. They're clearly going to get this. Um, and then whilst this went on, I got a phone call off someone who owned Humpit. I don't know if you know who Humpit are. And he called me and said, hey, um, how are you? Like, how's things going? This was just as we were kind of going into lockdown. And he said, I'm, I, I'm predicting there's going to be a real struggle. I've got a shop in the centre of York and I'm paying extortionate rates, extortionate prices, and I'm I'm concerned about what's going to happen. I've got a really big shop. Um, the way the life's going at the minute, people are not going to be sitting in this. There's no point in this shop being this big. We're, we're looking that it's primarily going to be takeaway what about you having a part of this shop? And I was like, oh God, that would be really stupid of me to do because I'm currently getting this ginormous bakery that we're going to turn into half a shop. So I said no to him. And then I went off the phone and I thought about it and I was like, why have I said no? Like I, should, like I always have this thing in my head of, you know, like, so what if it goes wrong? Just restart, try again, find something new. So I phoned him back I must have found him out of him two minutes. And he was like, why? He was like, are you, what are you ringing me about saying? I was like, I'm going to say yes to you. So within, you know, that we had this idea of this bakery coming. Um, and then we had this shop in the centre of York. And then moving from Harrogate to a city was huge. You know, in Harrogate, you, re you rely on um, regulars, you rely on, you know, the people who are not necessarily going to work. You rely on, um, hopefully, someone walking past. It's not it's not city busy. We suddenly met with this, like, city busy, where our customers, we never saw again. They were tourists, you know, they're coming in. Who are you? We're going to have a donut. I'm going to walk off. They love the colour. They've walked in. They don't know who we are. They don't follow us on Instagram. They know nothing about us. We were met with this whole new market, and it kind of like exploded for us and it took the business from being like a business that we were really pushing and driving and saying, hey, this is an experience of suddenly being like, my God, we're on like the main high street. Give me a donut. Yeah. And people were just walking in, taking the food, walking out, not seeing them again, but great because it was so busy. Um, and what then, sort of volumes were you talking about from a Harrogate perspective? How many donuts would you be selling in a day, for example? 
at the beginning of ha- so this is an interesting thing as well because from opening York did we dissolve Harrogate slightly yeah because you know our customers were suddenly given the option of going to Harrogate or York I mean no offense Harrogate but I would go to York because there's more going on there so when our customers were choosing which shop they were going to go to they were going to go to the city center shop therefore we kind of like lowered the footfall and lowered the trading in Harrogate because we gave them a better option. What do you mean by um, better option? So we obviously from opening two shops and having two cafes, um, our customers, not necessarily just Harrogate customers or just York customers, traveling customers making the decision over which shop they were going to were going to choose our city centre shop because it meant that they could go for a donut, but then they could also go to Zara. They could also, you know, have a wander down to one of the other shops. They could also go to a restaurant. They could go to all these different things. Whereas in Harrogate, they didn't have as much opportunity around them. So they were going, but then they kind of needed to think about what they were going to do with the day. So we found that we kind of reduced the customers in Harrogate because we they went to York instead. Mm. Um then, while this was going on, I was kind of thinking, I wonder what's going to happen with this bakery. You know, I didn't really know if it was going to go ahead. And then we got the call to say it was going ahead um, and that we'd got the bakery and the supermarket hadn't. And, you know, they were expecting us to do big things and it was a lot of pressure. And I was kind of like, oh, my God, because I knew that they'd had a really good option ahead of them. And did you so raise we had finance to work. for this? No. Or self-funded? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... All the money that was in the business was spent in the business and has done the whole way. I mean, you've, you know what that's like. Um, the So we had this huge building and we had to operate from it quickly. So we put a kitchen in it and the full the front of the shop, we said, oh, the shop's not going to be open yet. We can't, we can't open it yet. We need to, we need the bakery to work. We need to put out all these donuts in order to open the front. We need to bring the money in. Um, whilst this was going on, lockdown was happening. Um, people were not in the city centre. There was no one about. We'd gone from like having these like, oh my God, there's mass crowds and tourists to being like, oh my God, there's nobody here. The thing about York is there's not that many people who live in the centre. Um, you know, you walk into Leeds and it's really built up and there's loads of flats and people are living very much in the centre. They're not in York. You know, you've got to go a little bit out and that's where all the houses are. Nobody's living straight in the centre. So therefore, people weren't just walking around. It was really a dead city, um, obviously, which brought us a lot of problems because we thought, oh, my God, this idea of this fast-moving shop is now not a fast-moving shop. So we had to really sh- quickly shift to online. Um, so we, t- we started doing postal donuts and we were really lucky that it worked. I mean, it didn't work for a while, but then it started to work. Um, we put a lot of our regular customers, it was a time where everyone wanted to support each other and everyone wanted to keep businesses going. So customers were, who would normally visit the shops were buying online, they were getting stuff to the door. Um, and then obviously we had to find a way to fund these three shops at this moment in time. Um, and then the other thing that happened was Humpit. I kind of could see that it was going that way anyway. Um, because Humpit relied on um, businesses. So Humpit would, they'd phone up an office and say, you know, hey guys, what do you want for your lunch? And they'd order 200 lunches, prepare them all, bring them across. Perfect. That didn't happen in lockdown. Nobody needed a lunch. Nobody wanted to have their lunch anymore. So their trade was really going down. Um, So they struggled. They then phoned me and said, we're shutting. 
you know, we're, we're not carrying on anymore. And we were like, right. Because the idea of this city centre shop was that we'd pay half the rent, half the um, rent. And suddenly it was like, in a time of lockdown, they're going, we now need to pay for the full of this shop. Which, if you'd have asked me if I was going to pay for that shop up front, I'd have said no. I'd have been like, no chance. Like, there's no way. I'd have never been able to experience the what it's like being on that city centre street because I've never been able to afford it. But due to the luck of sharing it with someone, suddenly we were in this position where we realised the potential. We realised what was there and we were like, right, let's just go with it. We were very lucky that we had a landlord who understood the situation and he understood um, that life was going to be hard and a little bit difficult. And he um, made some allowances for us, which really helped us. So he allowed us to keep going. And now we have this prime city centre shop that I could never imagine us have been able to have. But due to these like opportunities that have come up in front of us, I've, I've now got it. And, you know, it's been so important for the business. And the other thing that has happened is lockdown for us made us think about the other options that the business could be, which is now online. Online has so much potential and so much power. Um, and we're, that's, we're still there. We're still doing it. We've still got all the online going. And that was from learning in lockdown that something else needed to be there. And I think if lockdown didn't happen and we didn't have, you know, we didn't have to rethink, then maybe I wouldn't have had that part of my business. Maybe something wouldn't have been there, but it has because of these different opportunities that have cropped up in front of me. So I think that I've grown just, I don't like the word look, but I think... I've been lucky because I've had things happen and I've said, yeah, that's fine, let's go with it. And it's allowed me to grow and it's allowed me to develop. You know, the bakery, um, we had to really work hard to be able to pay for that bakery. We were in a time where we thought we probably can't work, we can't work to our maximum because nobody's out and about, but we had to. So we had to do all these different things to pay for it. And off the back of it, you know, it's really, it, it's paid off. We've now got this possibility of a huge production kitchen um, is this at the bakery or is this at the, the York the, shop? The bakery. Yeah, so sure. the, the bakery has a shop front on it now. At the time it didn't because, you know, we just could we were like, well, firstly, there's no one about. Um, and then secondly, we need to pay for it. It has now got it on. Um, but yeah, just, just due to these circumstances that have come in front of me have allowed me to grow and have, I've almost took the risk at every opportunity and said, yeah, I'm going to have a go doing it and I'm going to try it. And if it goes wrong, then... <laughs> it goes wrong what can we do do you know it's again I, I use a phrase it's interesting but to me as, as a business owner and somebody who's tried lots of things I always find it fascinating to know what is that secret sauce that someone who does give it a go because there are many who have thought about doing something and never do it and then there are others like yourself who go just give it a go see what happens and you touched on your your father being sort of very entrepreneurial and, and sort of traveling world and, and being a businessman there as well. However, the challenge with businesses you know more than most is that when everything's great, everything's great. But when it's not, it's a very lonely place. Yeah. Tell me if you could um, some of the sort of tough challenges you had running a business. I'm assuming on your own at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say that Dealing with people is difficult. Um, we have we have fifty staff, um, and everybody is different. You know how you uh, deal with someone is different than how you speak to someone else. And you know the business doesn't operate if people don't turn up. So having the I think for me something that we found really really difficult is 
having reliable staff, having staff that you can trust, having people that are going to turn up, do the job, um, go home, you know, having staff that are going to think for themselves. You can't think for everyone. I spent a lot of time um, micromanaging everybody in the business where I would be like, don't do this, do that, don't do this, you do that. And it was exhausting. Um, And I only really realised that when someone had said to me, you do realise that, these problems that are going ahead are problems that you've caused because you just can't let go. You are not allowing anyone to be creative. You're not allowing anyone to think for themselves. Um, and that for me, it was quite a, it, it has been difficult constantly working out problems and solutions and fixing things. And I think now that I step back, which I have done, I've stepped back and allowed people to be creative and to think for themselves. I found life a lot easier um there's been time I mean obviously there's a lot of times where things go wrong there's times where you look I I mentioned this briefly to you before but for example a machine breaking a machine breaking um means that you need to bring out an emergency person to fix it the just the word emergency means that you can add the price on times 10 they then say to you they can't fix it you need to buy a new one right okay so we go to buy a new one the new one's not going to arrive for a week right okay the new one's not going to arrive for a week. What does that mean? Well, that means that either the staff are going to have to do something different, uh, the staff are going to have to work extra long hours, or you're going to have to close the business. What do you want to do? Do you want the happiness of your staff? The happiness, yeah, of course you want the happiness of staff because your business wouldn't run without the happiness of your staff. But also, that business needs to run and you need to say to them, hey guys, I know you were working eight hour shifts, but we're going to have to ask you to do 14 because you're going to have to become the machine. You know, we're gonna, and we're going to ask you to do this for the next seven days because when this machine comes, we hope it's going to work and we hope that it's going to do what it's supposed to do, but it might not. So suddenly you've got this upsetting of staff. You've added their hours on, of which they're paid hourly, so you're times in the wages that week by two. Um, you're paying for a new machine. You're paying for the emergency person. You've got all this ahead of you and people kind of don't know. You don't want to shout about that. You don't want to stand in the business and say to people, this is a tough week because they can feel it as well because you're making them work 14 hour days. It's really hard to turn to someone and be like, oh God, we're having to pay you loads and it means the business is struggling because, well, that person deserves to be paid loads. You know, that person is working 14 hours. You can't show that way. You can't show how you feel. You can't stand there and be like, oh my God, you don't really understand what this is doing for us because... Their perspective is, well, what do you think it's doing for me? I've got a family at home. You know, I, I want to be doing this after work and I can't because I'm doing this for you. It's really hard. It's, it's you, you are the person at the top who has to keep your mouth shut on the big problems um, without the fear of sounding egotistical, without the fear of sounding like you don't get it because they get it from their perspective. They don't get it from your perspective either. I think that's that's hard and I think that feels very isolating. I think it's the owner's eyes. I caught using your owner's eyes that you you have to oversee the whole business. You're firefighting, you're problem solving, you're fixing, yet you still have to be the the swan analogy. You, know, you still have to make sure that everyone knows that it will be okay, even though it might not be okay. You have to at least show that it will be okay. And yes, it's difficult in short pockets. Yeah. And that's why you're a business leader and you're an owner of the business and not working in the business. And that's, I think, it's a fine line between those who run and own a business versus those who work in a business because, yeah. you know, you don't give a shit because yeah. I, work, I work in the business. I'm going home, please. 
you know, pay me more, you know, when's payday, et cetera. So I suppose from that point of view, I get it because they're there just doing their job. Mm. But yet you're seeing it more than job. This is your livelihood. This is a business, you know, your commercial and financial commitments, et cetera. Yeah. But you're also Evie who has feelings. Mm. You're also Evie who perhaps worries about where the next payment's going to come from, et cetera. Mm. However, you chose that route because you are who you are and that's what drives you as well. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you special, makes you different. The question though, and it's the second question on the show, which is that kind of that difference piece is what would you do differently if you were to die tomorrow? What would you do differently to be the kindest in the room in terms of not having to be that tough speaking, hard talking owner of a business? Would you do anything differently? I think it fits quite well. What would I, I, what I would do differently is I would completely take away the business side of it. I would completely take away the commitments. I would take away all those things that have limited my, me my whole life. And I would give people time, like my own time. That's what I would do. And I think that the kindest thing that you can do is say, let's forget about this that's been holding me back. And let's forget about this stress that's probably made me treat you in a certain way let's get rid of all that and let me really just try and put my time my 100% time into you I think we all we're talking to someone we've got one eye on our phone we're talking to someone and we're actually I mean this is me all the time but I'm thinking about something else whilst I'm talking to someone um they're saying to me oh you know this 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 and I'm kind of thinking yeah 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 yeah, yeah. anyway next thing I think you know, what I would do is if I thought, right, this is this is the end, I'd get rid of all the things that have held me back. And I'd say like, right, that's gone. My phone doesn't matter. My business, sadly, right now, it doesn't matter. Um, what matters is people around me. And it matters that I've probably not given them 100%. And now, on this day, I'm going to give them 100%. I'm going to do everything I can. So with that being said, would you now act on that principle? Or would you be like, revolt to plan B or back to plan A going uh, okay check phone uh you know, it's, it's hard, quite difficult it's, isn't it yeah it's hard I think I've definitely got better because I have I've reflected on this a lot um and I've definitely got better um but that doesn't mean there's not something in the back of your head that makes you think I could be doing something different now or I could be working on something else or yeah I'd like I'd I don't think, I think having a business, you were never going to unfortunately be 100% because you are the head of the business. You're on holiday, something happens. You know, I, I can try and explain this to people all the time. I went I went on holiday with my friends to Portugal and honestly spent 50% of the time on the phone. And they were like, God, just tell someone else to do it. Like, get someone else to it. You've got managers, you pay them. I was like, yeah, but it's on my back. It, it, it's me. If they make a mistake, it's still me. They need guidance, they need help, they need support. I'm not... I'm not in a business where I'm paying someone, you know, a hundred grand a year to run my business. I'm not. It's a small business. I can't suddenly be like, shut up, I'm on holiday, sort it out. I still need to guide them. I still need to help them. Um, and I still want the business to be successful. I still want to be able to pay staff. Um, so I have to put that time into it. I can't just suddenly disconnect from it. So where do you see dough donuts then? Is it? Is it going to be a Dunkin' Donuts, the biggest in the world? Is it going to just be like a lifestyle business for you? What's the kind of the vision for it? I don't know. I toy with it all the time. I go backwards and forwards about what I think it should be. Um, we've we've built and built and built from the beginning. Um, and it's been kind of nice this past 
couple of months to just say, let's just sit back and see what happens. We're constantly making changes. We don't make it easy for ourselves. Um, I could say, do a crispy creme and go, hey, let's have, these are our set flavours and we do the same thing every month and there's no change and that's our coffee menu and that is our donut menu and da-da-da and I'm going on holiday and ring me if there's a problem, done. But then this is a modern business and people want change and people want new flavours and people want new things and people want a new box and people want all these different things. So I, I'm making this business really hard for myself. I'm aware of that. But I could be not doing that. I could change my perspective. And I am trying to decide what I will do, but I'm not there yet. Interesting. And it it reminds me of your earlier point about identity. Yeah. It's like, who am I? You know, I, I was an educator. Um, I'm now a business owner. Yet within that, I'm still Evie. And Evie's evolving and changing all the time. And so you're right, I suppose it's perhaps best to come back in six months or a year or two years and five years ago. Tim, you remember that question you asked me about what, well, actually, this is what happened because the business is evolving and people do want change and difference and colours and bright. But you might find that actually, well, I just want to spend some time with my partner or yeah. I want to go on holiday because it is quite difficult. So the journey continues. Um, the final question, um, and I think a lot of people perhaps starting their own business um, within this space, perhaps, uh, or in general business anyway, would be interested to know your, your, your answer to this, um, which is what one piece of advice would you give someone to live a kinder life? I think that you have to reflect. To live a kind of life, you have to reflect on your own life and you have to decide um, what have I been doing well, what haven't I been doing well, what can I change? The kind of life might be treating yourself kind of. I think I think that's such an open question because I think, you know, I might decide that to live a kind of life for me, I am going to hire such a person that will make my life be kinder. My mum might look at it and say, living a kinder life for her may mean when she goes on her dog walk, she's going to say hi to everyone that walks past because that suits her life. I think the kinder life is, for me, I would say, is based on a complete reflective situation of looking at yourself and saying, what could be better? What couldn't be better? Um, What can I do to change? Um, And I think for me, a kinder life is going to be, is, as I've said, giving time putting opening my time to people but again is that the same for everyone else some people might give their time to everyone so therefore I don't think that's suitable comment for everyone I think it just depends on you as a person I think that's not an answer to the question but I think you need to reflect on that and make a decision based on your own life and how you can change it for it to be positive I think for me it would be time yeah yeah I think without doubt time is gosh all we have uh, and with that being said, Evie Jackson, you have been the kindest in the room. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. Um, where can people reach out to you or, or the business? Um, so on Instagram at Doe Bakehouse, D-O-E Bakehouse. Um, we're on there a lot. There's there's actually two of us that run the page. I think people sometimes message and they're like, hey, can you ask about this? And they get a message back from someone else. But generally, um, that's where you can find us. Or in the shops, York, uh, not Harrogate anymore, sadly. Uh, two shops in York. We also have a shop in Clitheroe, which is over Lancashire Way. But yeah, always there. And a final question for me, actually. Um, what is the most popular flavour currently at the moment? Oh, sadly, it's Biscoff and it always has been. Really? Yeah, from the very beginning. Biscoff has never left the menu. Biscoff? Yeah. I shall try that next time I'm visiting. Yeah, that's, that's all people want. And then when they sell out, they're furious. 
social media hashtag bring back biscuit <laughs> yeah what do you mean you've sold out <laughs> i should try that evie jackson it's been a pleasure thanks for your time yeah, thank you very much right, thank you Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.